Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Pod Squadron podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about the full scope of the Star Wars experience coming from games, movies, film, streaming, comic books, and everything else that you could probably find that has Star Wars on it. Because if you know Disney, they're going to put Star Wars on everything. <laughs> so we're here for all of that. Um, just wanted to wish everybody happy holidays and thank you for joining us today. As always, we have our guest, uh, director, fighter, choreographer, performer, puppeteer. We want to hear more about the puppet action. Puppeteer and Chinese pirate, Andy Lowe. How are you doing, Andy? Doing okay. Good to hear. We also have performance artist, aerialist, and events designer and coordinator, the kaleidoscope creature, Lexi Lee. How's it going, Lexi? It's been a week. It's been a week. It's good to be here with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, uh, it's been kind of crazy. So and, I um, to just talk about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God, I get to just talk about Star Wars with you guys. And Andy's uh, your ray of light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yes, I, I did for you to mention Andy is holographing, uh, projecting himself in. Uh, he's his visage is stored on a droid somewhere. Yes. So glad to have him. We we had to uh, move away from the asteroid belt so that uh, we can make make a clear connection. So you're, you're our only hope, Andy. You're our yes. only hope. <laughs> yes, we do hope your transmission won't get blocked by some trade dispute. In indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and um, and finally we have uh, myself. Um, I am Mr. Benja uh, from the Eight Bit Cubist, artist, designer, and former game developer, but still likes to talk a lot of trash about game development. <laughs> and art and design and finally we have tracy we have the uh blogger and occasional cosplay artist and the one and only hot nerd girl how are you doing tracy uh i'm i'm wearing black because i'm in mourning oh for the razor crest i see i see <laughs> it's uh it, it, we, we might as well go ahead and say it right now usually we have a spoiler warning somewhere along the way in the show <laughs> This whole episode, we're just going to try to be spoilerific, and if something comes up that happened in The Mandalorian last episode, um, we're going to just go ahead and talk about it. So, spoiler warning, general spoiler warning for the entire show. You've been warned. Yeah. And I will be keeping an eye on the chat tonight, and if you do press the, don the donate button, it is going to go to uh, Typhoon Relief in the Philippines, so... As opposed to if you want, I think if you want to donate to us specifically, you can do something. But if you don't, if you do donate on there tonight and it'll go to the Typhoon Relief. Awesome. Oh, thanks. So, yeah, uh, holiday holidays are here. Um, everybody seems to be feeling pretty good. I'm glad we're we're still here doing this. Um, sorry about the change of time and everybody. Uh You know, things are changing and it's crazy times out there. But And we felt that 8 p.m. was going to do work well we'll see if we stick with it um but just follow us on instagram youtube uh twitter facebook all the channels and make sure that you uh just keep up and we'll definitely be letting you know what our time is going to be every week sorry for those of you who showed up early i hope you're well prepared all right so um tracy you uh you, you almost threw me off for a second there um when you start to offer condolences, <laughs> you, you really threw me off there. Because uh, I thought you were going to um, mention our uh, the, the 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 legend uh, yes. known as David Prowse. Could you go yeah. ahead and uh, 
There was two passings this week of, uh, of pop culture icons. Um, David Prowse, who of course was the, um, the physical, physical actor who portrayed Darth Vader and was originally, I think, intended to be the voice um, until they brought in James Earl Jones and dubbed over everything. But I just, a lot of people mention how he was sort of a grumpy guy and he had a lot of health problems throughout his life. But I do have one quick story. It's not, it's not necessarily my story, but it's a really good story. And that is um, a dear friend of mine named Blaine. He was happened to be at a convention at one point and he was helping somebody out or had a booth or something. And so he was just wandering around and he stumbled upon this room that had David Prowse. And they said, oh, do you want to go in and meet him? And he was like, are you kidding me? Of course. Like, this is like my hero. And he goes in, he actually has to go through like the whole like line and he gets up to David Prowse and David Prowse is just really grumpy and not even making eye contact. And Blaine tells him, you know, in, in such a genuine way, like what he meant to him that David Prowse said, oh, well, would you like any of these posters or anything? And he was like, yeah, I'd love some. And so he starts grabbing all the things. He gets David Prowse to sign all of them. And at the end, they're like, okay, it'll be this much money. And he's like, oh, I... I don't have any money. I don't have any money with me. And so, and David Prowse had been so moved by him that he said, don't worry, just take it, just take it. But Blaine felt so bad and he carried that for so long. And when he got a chance to meet David Prowse again, years later, he went and he paid him back for, oh. for all the, for all the stuff. But, but he went from being grumpy because he was in so much pain to being just really genuine with him. And, and it ended up being one of the the best moments of his life and something he always remembered for the rest of his life. And in, con in contrast to that, his meeting with Harrison Ford was the complete opposite. So negative <laughs> that I hate Harrison Ford. <laughs> I love Han Solo, but I hate He truly Harrison is Ford. grumpy. <laughs> yeah. And when, 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 when Blaine passed away, people got t-shirts made that said, fuck Harrison Ford because he was so mean to Blaine. But, yeah. oh. but David Prowse was a sweetheart to him. So he'll always have a special place in my heart. <laughs> awesome yeah r.i.p to a definite legend there um yeah you know when you have a when you have a show um a, a product a a community such as the star wars development community not just the the fans but more specifically the you know the creative crew behind it um you, you start to develop these family ties so you know somebody as iconic as david prowse who you know, shows up at conventions and things. And it's definitely an iconic figure. When he passes away, it definitely has an effect throughout the community. So we just wanted to recognize that quickly. I'm, uh, I'm also amused, Andy, at how, how uh, heartily you laughed at the Harrison Ford reference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's leaned into his, his reputation. So he's, I think he enjoys the fear that people have of him now. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I gotta admit though i don't know many actors um i'm not into the actor community so you guys have to tell me how are, are they generally perceived as grumpy or mean or i don't know standoffish you know who the nicest people are is the star trek actors they really hmm. are sorry oh this is a star wars podcast but they really are <laughs> <laughs> i believe that I think it's I think it just it just it's a tricky thing, right? Because 
you know, you, you, you sign up to do the work and do storytelling. You don't necessarily sign up to become a near religious icon. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think that can be a lot of pressure on people. Um, you know, even just some of the, the stars of the, of the pre of the, the new sequel trilogy have even, you know, described just how, how overwhelming it was to just be inundated. Um, you know, we have a, a number of people we know that have, um, have had to leave, uh, uh social media or, or kind of limit their accessibility, even, you know, um, um, Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks, you know, talked a little bit about that um, um, after the anniversary of uh, Phantom Menace, right? Um, so I think it's, you know, it's it's a tricky thing. You know, I, I think most people, you know, any actor is excited to get be part of a franchise like this. But yeah, it's, it's definitely signing up for something else. All right. Yeah, from my point of view, all actors are weird. Um, I come from the programmer ilk, so I know I'm weird in my programmer weird ways, but just to let you guys know, if I look at you funny, it's because I think you're an actor, not because of anything uh, personal. Wow. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I will say a caveat about the Harrison Ford meeting. It was at an award show. It's not like it was at like randomly on the street or something like that. And it was, he was quite cruel to him at an award show. So, you know, I feel like there's, yeah, like there's, there's one thing to be at a restaurant and be with like your kids and be like, look, you know, I'm having dinner with my kids. Like, is it okay to being at an award show where you're talking to a lot of different people and to just be a total jerk, you know? Yeah. I feel like you know, there's a difference. But I mean, by the way, Tracy, I, I, I don't think it's a problem that you brought up star trek because if you know we have uh, zoe saldana who also crosses over so there is a connection there besides the sci-fi connection and the fact that it's just a you know great franchise as well but uh zoe saldana does does cross over the world so like I, it counts to me absolutely <laughs> it counts to me that's the rules i play by <laughs> Well, I'm such a huge fan of both, so I think it can coexist. They're different. One's sci-fi and one is epic space fantasy. I and love exactly. that. I, I personally love that you bring the bring it up all the time. So <laughs> I do. I love the I love the cross references. I really do. Um, I do. I had to buy a shower curtain because all my backgrounds were Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. You have a whole collection of those of the, of the little figurines. It just yeah. so happens that most of my large posters are Star Trek. What can I say? <laughs> so uh, speaking of figurines, where do you get all your figurines and merch, Tracy? So Darth Vader here, that was uh, one from when the original movie came out. That was my cousin Stevens. And when he passed away from cancer a couple of years ago, that was what he left me in his will. And it still has wow. the cape and everything. It doesn't have a lightsaber, but... It's uh, I, I really treasure him. And then my friend Colleen crocheted this Grogu uh, back, <laughs> right after the very first episode. Um, BB-8, that's, a, that's one of the drinky things from Disney World when I was on tour um, for doing car stuff. And uh, I got that in Florida. That was the same week as the – actually, that was the day uh, – the, the morning after the Orlando club shooting. Oh gosh. 
Wow. And then that bucket, that popcorn bucket, that was from, because I got to go to the premiere, the world premiere of The Force Awakens in Hollywood. And those were the popcorn buckets that they gave us. And I've nice. got a bunch of like little like Lego things because they, they had all kinds of stuff. And then um, all my little, my, all my little metal models, of course, that I, that I built. And that's just what's behind me. I've got more, but. Wow. That's a, that's impressive. And um, sure. thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to bring that up because, uh, you know, it's the holiday season. Uh, everyone is going nuts for stuff, but not everybody is out on the, you know, not everybody's out running around with uh, the safer at home orders. And so it's a little different holiday season this year, but we only have three Mando Mondays left uh, before Christmas. So what is a Mando Monday you ask? Well, starwars.com the official Lucasfilm guys, they started up this thing called Mando Mondays. And basically they're riding the whole wave of the Mandalorian and bringing out new merch, new items, new shirts uh, every, every week. And they're basically calling to get all your money. And that's why I don't go on the website because I would send them all my money. Uh, saw there was a red Funko Pop Mandalorian. I might need that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's funny. The Star Wars is one of those properties where you you kind of have to get into the collectibles in some way. And that goes back to the history of Star Wars itself with Kenner toys and, you know, Lucas making that big deal. Uh, to get a lot of the profits from merchandising as opposed to the film itself. So clearly it worked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, did it. That yes. Was a smart move. Really yeah, we can. Uh, <laughs> and if any of you have any questions about that or anything we say, actually, just make sure you drop it in the Twitch chat or anything. Um, but yeah, that was a long storied history of crazy merchandising. So. You got three Mondays left to get all your merch. If you get any merch and you think it's pretty cool, make sure you send us a link, send us a picture. Um, as I said, yeah, well, um, we want to see it? your stuff. I'm yes. stuff. So I want to see all the things that you guys get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to live vicariously through all of you. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Lexi, well, I, what I want to do, I want to get some sort of Star Wars goblet like you have. I don't know. But that's not a Star Wars goblet, but yes, I need a goblet now. It looks, I mean, it doesn't not look, you it's know, like the like palace was, of the palace. It, it, yes. looks, it looks less out of place than jeans guy. I feel like I actually look less out of place than jeans guy. Um, oh yeah. You've got an Indiana Jones thing going on. I feel like that's the, um, uh, the, the, Holy, Grail? the Holy Grail. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> No, no, no. Remember the Holy Grail because he was a carpenter's son, right? So Yeah, yeah it was super simple looking. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it is. I mean, it's pewter. It's not It's not like silver or anything fancy. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, that, uh, um, yeah, as I said, send us any images, pics, or anything like that you've got. Um, help, make the, help make this more of a community. We want to talk with you guys, hear what you've got to say. And people have got things to say now because this episode has started to change things in a way that I'm not, I don't know, the internet lit up. It was streaming in multiple ways. I mean, um, trending in multiple ways. You had Star Wars trending. Um, you had Boba Fett trending. You had, you know, baby Yoda trending again. You know, it's just all kinds of all kinds of trending and so we're going to go ahead and get into our um season two episode six aka chapter 14 um rundown response and andy i'll let you and uh, tracy take it away all right so 
Chapter 14, The Tragedy. After their encounter with Ahsoka Tano, the Mandalorian Din Djarin and the child Grogu head for the ancient planet Tython uh, in search of an ancient Jedi temple in hopes that a seeing stone might be the key to making contact with a Jedi who will agree to teaching the diminutive force-sensitive ch uh, uh, child how to control his powers. But after the revelations discovered in, uh, in the Imperial scientific base on the planet Navarro that Moff Gideon is still alive and still pursuing the child to drain his high M count blood, time is of the essence for the travelers. With many forces in the galaxy pursuing them, it's hard to know who is friend and who is foe. Uh, so this episode uh, was great right um couple things about this first of all uh this is the first episode that we did not know the title of until the 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 opening credits uh came out we did not know it was called the tragedy and of course as soon as we people saw that people started to freak out again we were talking like i mean twitter was not safe for anyone <laughs> this was a very spoilery week people yeah. were just the actors were saying stuff people were yeah. just posting all over the place it was unavoidable it's like by Friday night <laughs> around 10 o'clock, like, you know, even Tamara Morrison uh, uh, made an instant, his first Instagram post since 2018. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, that's the actor for Boba Fett. Yes. Don't you think um, he was probably like, I'm being cool, guys. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody's like, no. And he's like, no. oh. <laughs> um, so hey, this episode. anything spoiled really quickly? I. You know, I, I pretty much watch it at midnight on Thursday, so <laughs> to avoid that. I watch it Fridays at lunch. The <laughs> first you, time. You, you yeah, didn't get hit with any spoilers. I, I tend to avoid the spoilers because I'm if if I'm have a screen in my face, it's because I'm at work up until I watch it on Friday. And so I just uh I yeah, I just uh, I don't I don't go on social media until i see it i'm just like nope don't don't even risk it don't even risk it someone's trying to dm me it's gonna wait <laughs> yeah nothing much gets done digitally on fridays until i watch mandalorian <laughs> I uh, quarantine i social distance myself from social media there you go <laughs> Um, so this episode was probably one of our shortest for this season, about at, a, at about 33 minutes, uh, which, as we have discovered, is pretty symptomatic of high, uh, high amounts of action uh, or action-packed mm -hmm. episodes. And boy, was this one of those. Um, the, the episode was directed by uh, Robert Rodriguez. Uh, we knew that coming in. Um, and much like many episodes of the season, the premise was really simple, right? Uh, perhaps, you know, just based on a single story beat, kind of playing out and uh, letting kind of the action and our characters kind of deal with it and confront the issues. Uh, it was great fun. Um, I am a fan of Robert Rodriguez and uh, just kind of seeing his aesthetic come to Star Wars was great fun. I mean, you can see all these nods and we'll get into the all the uh, the kind of stylistic nods and the Easter eggs in a little bit with Tracy. But um, certainly, you know, you can see homages to his previous films. Also, I just have to mention, I have to appreciate how leave it to Robert Rodriguez of all people to figure out how to 
keep Star Wars completely bloodless while making it totally brutal. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that was just great. Um, the cinematography was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, as much as I loved last week's episode, uh, there were things in how uh, the fight scenes were framed and shot where I was like, this is more about the personal effects of the fight versus today's episode is this, this is about the fight. Um, you know, the way the editing was, the way you have full full body shot frames um, 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 to kind of highlight the action. Um, you know, it's very much akin to all the 90s John Woo and Hong Kong cinema influence that uh, has played out in Robert Rodriguez's career throughout his, his life. Um, so I, I had a great great time with this. And of course, uh, with all the character reveals, which we're going to get into in a sec. Um, yeah, I was, uh, it was short, fun, and satisfying. So before we get into the nitty gritty of um, the construction, how it was put together and things like that, we we mentioned in the in the previous one um, a little bit about how the story was progressing and we weren't sure how these last three were going to play out. And um, what was it that Hal Hinkle, I believe, from ILM said, yeah, these last three episodes are going to be a roller coaster. And if you remember our last episode, we were talking about, well, okay, Robert Rodriguez is a pretty good guy to throw in the you know, roller coaster action. Well, as action packed as it was, and as simple as it was, we definitely got a lot of the story moving forward. And that's what really, that really, uh, you know, surprised me is how fast and quick things happened. Um, we ended up landing on the planet, um, you know, and they didn't have a bunch of let's search through the trees. Let's uh, climb up the mountain. It's like they fly in. Oh, there it is. We're going to put the baby on that thing. And we're about to defend this, uh, d defend our, our area right now until the baby finishes doing what he's got to do. Grogu. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just amazed at how, how quickly it started to push the story through the action and through even the reveal of, um, of slave one. And a lot of people, I'm not sure realize that that's what the ship was in the sky, but it came flying out of the sky shortly after they landed and i as a as a star wars fan i'm like that's boba fett ship that's the slave one <laughs> did you Here get did go. you get emotional i i got i got emotional totally emotional i'm, I'm like I'm, I'm watching this and i'm i actually had a thought i almost feel sorry for people who don't realize what that is coming <laughs> in is. you know but yeah, it was such a great setup. You know, as I said, it plays both ways. If you didn't know what the ship was, and if you did know, you know, it still plays for you uh, as a viewer. So, um, yeah, a lot of people were posting reaction videos and almost crying about, you know, the <laughs> fact that it showed up because we didn't get anything from Boba Fett since the last uh, jingles on the, uh, the, the spur jingle that they played way back. Walking up <laughs> to Fennec. Shan. Yeah. Right. And of course we got the tease at the, at the, the end of uh, episode uh, one. Okay. It felt very earned the way they did it. The way they, the way they brought him in the the way that they introduced him with Slave One. I mean, it was just, it felt very earned and like vindicating to have that character swoop <laughs> in when he did. 
in a way like, yeah. and look like a total badass and like all the people uh, who, who are like oh he's the guy that just got like knocked into the side and then fell into a pit and like oh like what's so great about Boba Fett like in this episode we really got to see why he was such the the feared bounty hunter that he was prior to the incident on Tatooine right yeah. well and even also... a bad day <laughs> Well, a bad rocket, also, yeah. <laughs> even also, uh, uh, get back. You know that it's it's a great thing to to start him off without the armor, so mm-hmm. you get to see Tamura Morrison. You know, a, a lot of people might not know Tamura Morrison actually as an actor has quite a filmography and a discography in in New Zealand. He's a he's a recording artist and a major action uh, film star down there. So, uh, so there's, you know, uh, 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 you know, getting him to like full on action out, um, uh, and be, you know, the soft spoken, um, you know, and also, um, no heel turn, you know, he, we now, we now know that Boba Fett is kind of a, kind of a lawful neutral, uh, uh, as opposed to being the, the kind of swindling scoundreling bounty hunter ruthless, right? He, I liked how he looked like he could have been a Jedi when he was walking up. Like it was understandable mm-hmm. that Din would mistake him for that. And Tamura is half Maori. And when he's fighting, you see it in his facial expressions, you know, like you, like you see him making the, you know, the, the, the faces that they make. Is it the, um, the, the, oh, oh, wow, the, the Haka. The Haka. Haka. Yeah. It looked like, especially when he went down on that stormtrooper from above, like his face, I was like, that's some Maori right there. He's very That's expressive. Awesome. Andy yeah. lives next to a fire station. Yes, hello. I'm, I'll mute. <laughs> I, I I thought I I just I loved as far as as um like a whole script analysis character arc, directing breakdown of that choice that Benjamin mentioned of having Boba Fett start out unarmored. Uh, and, and pick up his armor because his armor, you know, again, being part of his identity. Um, but, but also that we get to, after for the first time really seeing this character in years, you see him at his most vulnerable. Mm. You find, like, you see him, you meet him, and he's it's the opposite of Din Djarin, who's armored up when we first meet him. And it's Grogu that's bringing him out of his shell. And with Boba Fett, he comes to Din Djarin fully vulnerable and has no other way to, to present. I think, I don't know. I, and I actually, I hope, I hope that they, I like that they're keeping him in the plot. I like that they're, they're doing that. And I, I hope that, that we get to see that impact Mando's character, that he gets to see a Mandalorian that he, uh, can admire, can look up to, that he doesn't maybe have such conflicted feelings about as he does with uh, Bo-Katan, you know, who like didn't, you know, kind of uh, just moved the goalposts on him. Well, and, and vice yeah, versa. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, right? Has, also, right. Yeah. We so that was a little strong. Have... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> you go. <laughs> well, that frog lady, who was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, was best, that was my best song, lady. <laughs> my best frog lady. 
We need a translation. <laughs> so r- real quick, um, like you, you mentioned that uh, what's, what's interesting, um, like we were talking about story and this, this isn't usually the way that one thinks of story. Um, they're using a lot of interesting ways to tell a story um, with history, with uh, setting, with vibe, with, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say class, but you have different groups. That's the way I'll put it. Different groups going against each other. So their very interaction is telling a story in itself. Um, very interesting how it's all happening here. And, uh, like Andy was always has always been talking about the uh, you know lone wolf and cub kind of father uh, you know child relationship that Mando has with Grogu, and then we get to see um, you know Mando who's really had no family uh, for a while has been on out on his own suddenly has this figure that's been in the armor for all this time showing up like yeah I know these mm-hmm. these galaxy streets boy I'm you know this is my armor and I've done this a long time. Mm -hmm. So now he kind of has this father figure of his own. Um, And yeah, Boba's this boat. This was basically Boba's episode. And I'm, I'm just kind of glad to glad to see that. We also have a comment here right quick. Um, Paul jr. Says Boba Fett's a beast. And we got a comment from ring capacity saying both. This is Boba's redemption for sure. Yeah. People with their, Boba Fett shrines in their house and, you know, the big Mandalorian <laughs> plaque on the wall have been uh, waiting for this. And uh, also asking who Grogu could have been talking to, which if you look yeah, closely, it does look like there's somebody up there with him. Hmm. I have to, the, have to on, miss that. on the scenes, though? Yeah, if you look at, um, at one of the scenes where you can just see the stones from above, you can see what what looks like the seeing stone with the Grogu on it, and then to the left, there's another figure. Oh, really? Right oh, there. I didn't see yeah. that. Yeah. Ooh, time for rewatch. Yeah. So um, yeah, while while we're there, um, you know, we're talking about the spreading of the universe and it getting bigger and more exciting and just connecting more more plots. Who could have been talking to? There's um good and bad for sensitives that he could have connected with. So the obvious theory is, you know, Ezra Bridger from um, rebels. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of obvious theory that they've been throwing around. Um, he's the one that would still be alive. I don't think he was mentioned in Ray's, you know, dead force ghost uh, vision. So it's kind of confirmed, I guess, maybe that well, he's alive. He's still because point, right? Yeah, and because his last, well, at least I think, yes, Luke is still around. And then because Ezra's last known location was in another dimension after he helped Ahsoka, and Ahsoka's last known well, is still, I guess, trying to help, trying to find him. Uh, so, so yeah, so, I mean, th- that's the thing, right, is that the last we've seen of Ezra uh, was at the end of Rebels when he basically – use some purgles, which are basically some kind of a space whale that can access hyperspace organically. Okay, and- it sounds sounds crazy when you say it like that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing I that mean, crazy. space whales. I'm just I'm saying. a Doctor Who fan, so space whales are <laughs> nothing. <laughs> oh, Lord. Right? But, uh, uh, real, real quick, real quick uh, Andy, why, who is Ezra Bridger? Oh, gosh. Um, so he <laughs> was kind of the... He, uh, he's Space Aladdin. 
uh, more or less. Aladdin. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding, so man. Uh, he, no, you're right. Totally I'm laughing Aladdin. because you're right. I'm laughing because you're right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, so he was he was the main protagonist of Star Wars Rebels, um, who is a Force-sensitive kid on the planet Lothal. His parents are gone. Uh, he is literally a street rat who gets picked up by uh, a small cell of, of, of Rebels who both teach him the ways of the force and um, get him in, in involved in the rebellion. Does that eventually make Topper his really crabby Abu? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either Chopper or Zeb, right? Zeb is just a giant buff Abu. <laughs> is it, okay, so we, you know how a big thing with Grogu is that he's had to suppress the force? Mm-hmm. Isn't the main guy though like the, the main guy of the rebels is didn't he have to do the same thing? Uh you I'm mean blanking his, on Kanan, his name right mean. now. Kanan, yes. Didn't he have to do that as well to escape Order 66? Um, I believe I honestly don't remember if they made that a thing, but I but I mean I, I know that he was hiding his force yeah, ability he wasn't until for a while. Yeah, until Ezra comes along. Um you know, I mean, honestly, Rebels, I've been re- in the middle of a rewatch of Rebels, and uh, I gotta say, I-, I forgot how good this show is. Um, the first season is very kind of fluffy, but, like, after the first season, they dig in deep, uh, uh, and, and, you know, the, the idea is that both Ezra and Kanan are very imperfect Force users. You know, Kanan is a, a Padawan whose master was killed and then went into hiding. So he never really finished his training, and he's still very, like, you know, he has self-confidence issues. He he gets very angry and very self-conscious all, all the time. PTSD. He has PTSD. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Ezra is very passionate and very shaped by his his kind of, um, you know, the loss of his parents. So, you know, both of them are force users that are, are, are very imperfect in a lot of really interesting ways, but ultimately that's like a a plot point of how they are better at what they do uh, for what they're needed for, because they are not traditional Jedi. Yeah. So I definitely, um, if anybody has any ideas on who might be uh, the recipient of that call, uh, go ahead and throw it in the in the chat. By the oh, way, there's a bunch of them. Would there's you like me? Oh, yeah. Would you like me yeah. to list them? All? Do the list. Do the list. Wait, hold on. My mouse is not working. Hold on. I mean, obviously, Off, Luke. On. I'm, I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for some force user that is a little bit more ambiguous, uh, because I really hope that they explore um, healthy processing of negative <laughs> emotions. Yeah. This is a really good opportunity in time and place in the, the conversation creatively to do that because in the past it's either been like the, the Sith or, you know, the first order, like the Knights of Ren, they're all like, Oh yeah, take the negative run with it. It gives you fuel. And uh, you know, then the, the Jedi on the other hand, were all suppression. And like right. you can only take that so far. Um, not know, all suppression, but there's a, there was a lot of that in there, which is one of the reasons why Yoda was like, "Yeah, burn it. It's fine. We'll figure something out new that's better." You know. Um, yes, I mean the, the the path to the dark side, as we've discovered, is 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 toxic masculinity. <laughs> do you want Do you want to know who some of the the ideas are here? Okay. Yeah. okay. The first suggestion, of course, from Jason was that he was contacting Jedi tech support. 
Uh, one was Palpatine ducks, space ducks, named Howard. Okay. Uh, Luke, another Palpatine, Mace Windu, Ezra. Ezra and Luke are top contenders. Uh, Snoke, Obi Wan's ghost, which it to- totally could be a Force ghost. It totally could, could be Obi Wan's Force ghost. Yeah. Yoda would also be. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I think that's all of them. Unless people yeah, I mean, new one. I mean, like the the main ones, of course, are Luke because we know at that at in at this point in the timeline he is Picard. starting his his Jedi Temple, right? Uh, and then, of course, Ezra possible, but Ezra might be unlikely just because Ezra, I would imagine, would be like the 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 MacGuffin of an Ahsoka series, which we think is coming. Um, and then there's also like some of the characters from the video games, like some people are saying Cal Kestis. Um, which I haven't played. Uh, was that Jedi Fallen Order? Um, mm-hmm. I don't but... know the video games well enough to say anything, really. No, I just I, mean I ha- any of them. Yeah. I was thinking, too, just just popped my head. I was thinking, um, what if it's just Ahsoka again? Like, What if she that's... changes her mind? She changes her mind and just, you know I, what I mean? It crossed, it, you know, it's that's... okay, so... You know? It, mm, I would throw not, my popcorn at the screen. Not to ba- not to ba- not to bandwagon on on your suggestion, but it crossed my mind when I rewatched that episode last week um, that they left it open to do that when they fly off and she does like a second look back and she kind of like smiles and she's like like that kid you know what I mean like it's like the Jedi equivalent of like oh that kid's kind of he grew on me you know like the. Do, do, do you know what it was to me? <laughs> it was it was it was um, the Jedi equivalent of like Bert from Mary Poppins going, you know, oh that old East Wind's coming back again. Strange yeah. things are happening, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I I think I think her there's an opportunity that they could very well give Ahsoka the character arc of she balks at training him out of fear. And then realizes that that fear that fear is the very thing that led to you know the the lack of vulnerability, whether that was by pulling back or armoring up or whatever it is, you know. And maybe she sees that like this is her opportunity to break the cycle. Um, maybe she decides that she is the person for the job. Uh, so, so I, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be mad about that either. The reason I hadn't brought it up is because I came on so hard <laughs> as an Ahsoka stand. I didn't want to just pour more flame on that fire and just be like, look, guys, like more excuses for her. <laughs> Bring okay, me back wait. to Mario Dawson. So, <laughs> so Tracy, are you going to talk about the Dave Filoni in- interview? No. Okay, oh, right. go first, and then I need to talk about that, though. Okay. Hold on. Go ahead, Tracy. Sorry. Okay, do you remember last week when I said they're going to – they're gonna um um. Um, 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 what's it called? The, 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 the Doctor Who episode where he gathers everybody together yeah. and, um, the doctor goes to war. A good man goes to war. Right. Okay. Yeah. They're going to do that. So Ahsoka's going to come back anyway, because they're getting everybody together. And I, I think he's going to pull every single person in, even like Pelly, you know, from Tatooine. Like I think she'll he's come in at the end, like they won't everybody. be able to get a hold of her and then she'll come in at the end all yeah, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if the yeah. frog couple shows up. Like he's gonna get the gang together. Like all these yeah, random I, I really, people. I do think that too. I think Bo-Katan's gonna show back up. Yeah, like, I think the, there the are. Is this like Mandalorian that survived from his? Yeah, from his group from the, co- gonna, the, co- the covenant, yeah. right? I, I, or, it's covenant. not. I, like my 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 
my mouth wants to say covet and that's not the right word at all. And it's just the witchy tendencies wanting to say that, yeah. uh, but that's not it. It's the, the, the covert. There we are. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. It's so, like, because it was always so ambiguous as to like, like you saw a pile of helmets, but it was never like, there was also a bunch of them coming in and out of there. So like it's implied some of them might've survived. Uh, so, so here, here, here's the thing. So, so there was an interview uh, on Vanity Fair with both uh, Dave Filoni and um, and uh, uh, Rosario Dawson talking about you know Ahsoka's kind of coming to live action screen, um, and the totally Dave Filoni thing that he does at the end of the interview is you know he addresses the fact that you know the the epilogue of Rebels shows Ahsoka Tano showing up. Um, to call Sabine back to action to go and find Ezra Bridger. Uh, and it was pretty much assumed that, you know, that moment in time would either be before the Mandalorian and we would see Sabine with Ahsoka or after the, the, the course of the Mandalorian, right? Uh, thinking that the Sabine and Ahsoka would be like the premise of whatever that show is. Uh, but he basically just says... We don't know when in the time period that is. I mean, it could be before, it could be after, right? So that brings into the the possibilities that she gives a wry wink to Grogu as they fly off and basically, you know, goes off to go recruit Sabine and says, you know, I mean, you know, that's that's a that's a, a possibility. Um, and then, and if you do that, right, is that uh, then you have uh, Ahsoka and Sabine as part of the ensemble for next season. A lot of things could happen there. There's yeah. so many ways uh, this could definitely go. Um, and, you know, I, we, my friends and I used to call this the, the, the greatest hits episode whenever you have this whole ensemble cast um, coming back and kind of rem reminiscing, hey, you remember me from this episode? Now I'm back to health and the greatest hits episode. So I assume that's coming in some respect. Um, and I do want to talk about that in the speculations uh, we're going to do in a little bit. Yeah. But also, um, along with Boba Fett coming down there, kicking ass, um, you know, Grogu calling out to to the stars. And, you know, I'm actually getting used to saying Grogu. <laughs> Anyways. Um, it's we also like Goku, but with an R. <laughs> That's happened to me before, you know. <laughs> anyway. Have you seen the comic where I think it's Kylo saying, grow, Goo, grow, goo, <laughs> grow, baby Yoda. <laughs> I, I so, uh, the final, uh, the last element, I guess, of the show that that they really pushed was, you know, we finally get to see these dark troopers come down, um, you know, look all menacing. They didn't do much, but they didn't have to. Um, of the whole, they come in flying like the uh, the Iron Legion from from from, <laughs> from Iron Ultron. Man. Yeah, <laughs> from, yeah. Just, just call it Favreau. Hey, can we get some of those Iron Man effects, guys? <laughs> I need them to fly in and walk really menacingly. So yeah, they t they came in, uh, grabbed the child, and you know now it's like we have another force that uh, they have to deal with. Not only the stormtrooper zombieish horde um, that they plop through literally with the rock in this case um but now we have dark troopers and whatever else moff gideon has under his uh under wraps so Ron, what do you guys phase, think of the dark trooper i've heard that the phase three dark trooper is kind of like a hulkbuster and he might actually get into it 
Mm. Oh. To do like one final epic battle scene, maybe? There are there are three versions of the three phases of the Dark Trooper, right? Okay, so Ian just said Cylons, and that was what is in my notes too, <laughs> that they look like Cylons. Thank you, you yes, Ian. They do. Battlestar Galactica. Um, you know, the other thing too, right, is, is that, uh, we, they were not named dark troopers, but, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn in rebels did have, uh, Imperial Sentry droids that basically look exactly like dark, these dark troopers, uh, that guarded him in his office too, which is one of many callbacks that, you know, might be hinting at a, a Grand Admiral Thrawn reveal. Um, obviously we had the name drop from, uh, the magistrate last week. We know that she works for him and has been building his fleet. We saw the HK droids that had the seventh fleet, uh, um, uh, insignia on their heads. Um, yeah, there's a, I don't want to get too deep into that. Let's, I'm going to save some of, some of this kind of speculation for later. So, yeah, we have also had, uh, the last thing, I guess, um, Ming-Na returning, uh, Finnick, as the uh, bounty hunter with the with abs the heart of steel? pistons, abs of pistons, and abs with of the, steel, with yeah, ro <laughs> robo belly. <laughs> so you know, sometimes I get sometimes I get annoyed when they bring characters back like that. But I was really happy with this one. I was like, oh yeah, robo belly. I'm good with it. I, I love it because it's like you know, I mean, we forget that Star Wars always needs just like like a, a five percent of cheese. To make it like charming. <laughs> if they can give people new hands, they can give her new abs. Yeah. No, if she her she was dressed in black instead of purple, but her armor and her hairstyle were kind of like um, the gal who was teamed up with Django Fett in the prequels. Yes. Um, episode two. Yeah, ba Baz. I, oh gosh, I can't Zam. remember. Zam Wessel. Right. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, for those who don't remember, the assassin that um, put the little creepy crawly through the window and uh, was trying to kill Padme. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I and then not remember finally, her name. That was a good, good call. Yeah. And then they finally, um, Anakin and Obi-Wan caught up to her. And from afar, Django shot a dart into her. And killed her so she couldn't reveal any information about him. So it's kind of interesting that they've got, you know, Django teamed up with Zam and then somebody who's got a very similar aesthetic teaming up with Boba. And, and, him, patch, and him patching her up, actually, and, mm -hmm. as opposed to taking her out, uh, which could could be like a very subtle way of, of, a of kind of providing a bit of a character arc there. Um, oh, which I don't know. I thought okay. I thought I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was kind of nice that they're like, yeah. So uh, technically, like, we're we're still obligated to you. They could have really easily argued to to opt out, and they know what kind of trouble they're heading into. But both of them were like, yeah, well, like we're kind of obligated to go help you with the kid because, like, you know. It's yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the really interesting thing, right? Like, this is there, there's a number of things they've done with Boba Fett now that mm -hmm. basically contradict a lot of previous legend and canon stories, right? That Boba Fett is honorable, that Boba mm -hmm. Fett is is lawful neutral. He's not like mm -hmm. just straight up ruthless bad guy, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, and yeah, and that he's not kind of lone bounty hunter. And whether that's because he has survived the uh, 
the Sarlacc pit or it, he's always been there. Of course, you know, um, you know, uh, all of this um, linking to Django Fett, like now the his armor is actually Django Fett's armor, which was not the case originally. Um, but it's a great tie in. It fits in with <laughs> the overarching theme of the Mando of Din Djarin discovering Mandalorian Mandalorians who are not Mandalorian in the way that he has perceived them to be, right? I mean, or not Cobb even Van technically Mandalorian at all. Right, right. Well, oh, well, this is a cool thing too that we learned that Django Fett was a foundling, right? Mm -hmm. That he was on Concord Dawn as a foundling and fought in the in, in the Civil Wars. That's like that's a major drop uh, uh, for for the lore. Yeah, well, and I'll, they still kind of kept it canon. They still kind of kept it uh, somewhat vague with Boba Fett himself claiming man, you know, claiming the Mandalorian status. You know, he said, you know, I follow my own code. He's like, do you follow the Mandalorian code? And he implies, I follow my own code. Um, you know, he said he got his stuff from his father. He's doing things for his reasons, but he never goes out and says, yeah, uh, Mandalorian, this is the way. What's up? You know, mm -hmm. let's do our secret handshake. He doesn't do any of that. Um, so he himself, that kind of uh, leaves the lore open to everyone's discussions about is he a Mandalorian or not. It's still kind of vague. I like that though. Yeah. So um, with the directing of this episode, it definitely had a different feel from the last one. And we were oh, talking absolutely. earlier. We were talking earlier, Lexi. Um, it just this one was so much more uh, unclean, uh, brutal. Uh, was some of the words used? You know, the, the camera shots were a lot different. And you mentioned that it was a bit of a intentional contrast from the mm -hmm. you know well laid out calm uh i don't want to say softer tone but a, a more chill tone from the previous one so just let us know a little bit, bit of yeah. thought on the, the direction here i mean pacing pacing was is absolutely everything in in these you know the as you pointed out a big difference with uh filoni's episode was it relied a lot even though we did have, we had that great duel. Like I'm not, you know, okay. Like we had the, we had the shootout and the, and the duel. Those were great. Uh, really well executed, but overall it did rely a lot more on uh, dialogue and, and laying that kind of groundwork. So the pacing was very different. Uh, we did, we got a lot of really good um, feel good character moments and, and emotional connections, a lot of emotional payoffs that way. Uh, and, and I, ha I've had a, a, directing professor for um, really, really talented guy, Carnegie Mellon and other things. And he would always talk about building your audience up high before uh, you want to deliver a traumatic blow. It's really manipulative, actually. <laughs> it's incredibly manipulative because what you do is you, you they've, they've been doing it. I was wondering what they were going to build up to, but they've been, uh, um, they've been doing it for the last couple of episodes where they give you these little bonding moments with different characters between Grogu and the different characters, you know, where I think there's one part um, where you have grief cargo, who's like snuggling him and talking to him. You have, uh, you know, all the times that Cara Dune gets protective over him. You have all these really nice, nice moments that are just, we all know the audience loves Baby Yoda, but you get to you get to see the impact that Grogu's made on these characters, right? As well. Actually, 
on I that, mean, can I? Oh, sorry. Finish your thought first. Oh, I know. So, so they they get us feeling. I don't like. They get us comfortable is the wrong word, but they get us really, um, attached. you know, invest, attached. Yeah, they get us really attached to this little family that Grogu is connected around him as collected, and then in under forty minutes, they rip it all away. Mm-hmm. They rip it all away ruthlessly too. Really ruthlessly on purpose completely on purpose um on on that note i i also like we, we didn't talk about the opening scene of this where we see like i think we hear the mando laugh for the first time <laughs> right where yeah. he's just like he's playing catch with the ball and he's just like or, or he's just having fun saying grogu and he's like huh? Grogu. Yeah, he answers to it. He's like, "Oh, I, yeah, like, oh, we're answering to your name." Yeah, it, but, uh, the tone of Din's whoa. voice—it was just like so paternal. It was so sweet. Oh, my ovaries exploded. And and I don't and, even and, want kids. And I was like, "All right, okay, <laughs> I think I might be ovulating. <laughs> this is a problem." <laughs> well, well, the dialogue there too is also really poignant too because he starts talking to to grogu about okay so when we find this jedi you know that the nice lady i love he call he calls ahsoka the nice lady <laughs> <laughs> um um uh he starts like prepping grogu is like you've got to be ready to say goodbye right uh and you know and he does say you know this is actually the other scenario that we didn't talk about in terms of teachers but he says because i can't teach you you're too powerful right like that was a key mm-hmm. really interesting you know, character moment there. Yeah. Uh, I can't I, teach you. You're too powerful. But here he is playing catch with him, right? I thought that was, I thought that was one of the, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was one of my favorite m- moments because it, well, I mean, first of all, it shows why he's such a good fighter, mm-hmm. why he is such, why he's, because he doesn't under, he knows, he knows his own strengths and weaknesses. He knows what he's capable of. I mean, yeah, he gets himself in over over his head sometimes, but it's because he knows that there's other things at his disposal, and I don't know. It just uh, it was it was one, but he doesn't he doesn't say it out loud to anybody. He never says it out loud to anybody, not even the people that he trusts enough to work with, right? So that again, all along there was a lot of speaking of that whole juxtaposing of bringing people up to to rip the the, the rug out from underneath them. A, mm-hmm. a really good way. I think it was just really beautiful what they did. Is they they really juxtaposed. They had a lot of a lot of brutality, a lot of a lot of violence, and then it, it would it would be completely placed at odds with these really tender moments of Mando laughing because he's connecting with his 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 kid. You know, he's connecting with his adopted son, uh, and and just enjoying that. And it is a sign of vulnerability for him to say, you know what, buddy, you like, I, I'm, I can't train you. You're too much for me. You're too much what? for me, little guy. You know, yeah, uh, that's, it's, what, it's just it's a very fatherly thing to say that like, oh, you're going to be bigger than I am someday, kid. You're going to be a way bigger right. deal than I am. So it gets such a fatherly lone, you know, like lone wolf and cub moment. Um, yeah. And there's a, a to- totally, I, I, I totally vibe with that. And, I didn't think about it before, but Andy, you mentioned, you know, playing catch, mm-hmm. you know, with, uh, he was playing catch with Grogu. And when you said that, that just connected it to me on a totally different level, because if you think about it, um, 
if you if you want to give them a place called home where they would play catch or whatever it's the you know it's the razor crest yeah mm-hmm. uh, the scenes in the cockpit were always these bonding moments between him uh the mandalorian and grogu and this and the ship the razor crest didn't sink it didn't like crash somewhere it got obliterated it's, it's pulverized on i was which like is, which is crap. honestly such a great fake out right because we watched the ship you know like like it's been the theme of watching mando get kind of stripped down bit by bit by bit and then they fixed it up and it's gone <laughs> i i thought it was going to be like baby from supernatural where, where it gets beat <laughs> to hell and they and they patch her right up again and then like he he like 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 it follows him to the grave like i thought it was going to be a baby and he can put it back together <laughs> it'll, yeah. still, it'll, it'll still only have the little ball yes. the little screw thing that's the only thing that's going to be the same well okay yeah so an, an important point right, right now calling it right now <laughs> important point the only two things left are of course the ball of the the, the knob for the top of the thing and the beskar spear right mm-hmm. and that's kind of important mm. mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that's going to be part of the final duel i think it's going to oh, go yeah. up against the dark saber it has to be mm-hmm. oh, they yeah. set him up perfectly to go up against the dark saber because he's the only one who can besides ahsoka before we move past the fatherly thing, first of all, I know so many people who are like super screwed up and they always say it's because their dad didn't play catch with them. So I really appreciated that he was playing catch with his son. And mm-hmm. second of all, he it's like he has so much more patience in some ways, but then, you know, he puts him on the rock and he's like, okay, come on, chop, chop. Like, let's do yeah. this. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, give him a minute. Where, where's, where's the button? Right. How do we start the and thing? Then, <laughs> right. And then a couple of things about the sing zone is that you, did you did you wonder why like I, I thought maybe it was because of his Beskar armor that he was kind of bending. First of all, it's a literal force field, but mm-hmm. he's kind of bending the force field as opposed to it just knocking him back. And I was wondering mm-hmm. if that was because he was wearing the Beskar. I don't um, know. Speaking of the Beskar spear, yeah. you know, because that's the one thing that can kind of go up against any kind of Jedi, anything, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, a Kuiper crystal based weapon or the force or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Maybe Yoda in his little, in his little Lotus position. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, do we want to, uh, do we want to speculate on anything really quickly um, that we, uh, we covered most of the stuff in the episode, but now there's stuff external to the episode. Andy, you had some thoughts on the speculations. Yeah, you know, well, so here's the thing, right? Uh, I've got a couple of crackpot thoughts, but I'm going to save that for last. Uh Um, But uh, so so the next thing that we know that we have two more episodes left. Uh, The next one is directed is chapter 15, which is directed by Rick Famuyiwa, who directed uh, chapter two and chapter six. We remember the prisoner, which is important to know, because, of course, we're going to probably see the return of Migs Mayfield, who played into that the prisoner episode before Mayfeld Mayfeld sorry by uh performed by Bill Burr um and then the last episode uh chapter 16 is still unknown we still don't know who the director is uh there is still no title that that is uh, an interesting mystery the rescue <laughs> we'll see um so let's let's quickly just run down all of our different hanging plot threads right 
Well, so, the, the title the title is going to be something to do with juxtaposing of the tragedy because in the first season you had the sin when he let the kid go, and then oh, I think yeah. redemption redemption was when he maybe I think was was when he gets it back. So there's going to be some kind of big big. Uh, that's the title is going to obviously say a lot about it, and it's going to be very stylistically juxtaposed to the tragedy. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good idea. Um, yeah. So okay, so we 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 need to know who uh, Grogu talked to if he actually got a Jedi Master and if anyone is on their way. Um, we also know that the Armorer is out there somewhere, and the Armorer lied to Din Djarin uh, because we know that the that the covert are actually a, a cult uh, called the Watch, um, and they are you know, fundamentalist extremists, um, probably offshoot of death watch. Um, we know that Bo-Katan out there, uh, and is building her, her forces to take back the planet Mandalore. That is apparently under Imperial, uh, conquest. We know that Moff Gideon has the dark saber, uh, which he threatened baby Yoda with. Right. And we don't know how he got it, uh, if, or if that connects him to the occupation of Mandalore. We also know that uh, Moff Gideon is uh, about to take the child to Dr. Pershing, uh, presumably to drain some of his high M count blood. Um, there's also, uh, you know, stuff going on with them. Um, we, we saw uh, Cara Dune come back for a, a quick moment, right? Where we know that she is now pseudo accepting her role with the, the new Republic and has like the Marshall. We know that that, that little emblem is a Marshall star. Um, and so whether or not she has some pull with the, the new Republic uh, government or not, we'll, we'll find out. Um, we also know that Ahsoka is still out there searching for Grand Admiral Thrawn, right? And uh, which brings into the question, right? Uh, does, is Thrawn the emperor to Moff Gideon's Darth Vader? Uh, is Thrawn basically our mastermind that will be revealed for season three? So very quickly. Um, and, you know, for those who don't know all the Star Wars craziness that goes on, um, the lore and the stories, Really quickly, Andy, they threw out Ahsoka Tanu mentioned Thrawn in the previous episode, oh, and it just kind of left a lot of people with a question mark over their head. Really quickly, who is this guy? Oh, uh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I got to scroll down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Grand Mineral Thrawn. Uh, Grand Mineral Thrawn was a character that was originally introduced by a for a, a series of books by Timothy Zahn called Heir to the Empire. And uh, he was basically the Grand Admiral Commander of the Seventh Fleet of the Imperial Navy. Uh, that's important because he was the most unusual uh, Star Wars Imperial villain in the whole canon, in that he did not rule his troops by fear or by uh, uh, threat of execution. He ruled them by loyalty because he was a master strategist. Um, he is a member of a, a race called the Chiths, who are uh, a very rare race that they that they're often the the outworld um, um, sectors. Uh, and he uh, he is was has always been written as this kind of Mac. He's kind of like if you if you think of um, Mycroft Holmes, he is kind of this kind of brilliant mm. mastermind who. Uh, will conquer worlds 
by basically studying their art, their language, their linguistics, and coming up with the psychology and sociolo sociology of how best to to oppress and destroy and demoralize uh, uh, his opponents. And you see a lot of that in Rebels where he shows up. You see a lot of that in uh, the original Heir to the Empire trilogy. Then you'll get in and then you'll if uh, you really want to dig in deep um there's also a, a new trilogy of books that are all about thrawn right now um also written by uh, timothy zahn uh they're called the thrawn trilogy which get into his new canon origins because originally all of his character was kind of tossed out in the disney purge um uh and uh they have very quickly reinserted him back into canon so but that's uh, Tracy. I thought you were gone for like forever. <laughs> Tracy just jumped out of camera. I don't know what that was about. Uh, <laughs> I thought all, of the my, just... all of a sudden my finger is like started bleeding. Is that oh what happened when and I was it wouldn't about stop? Yeah, it wouldn't stop. And so I had, I was like, I'm just going to grab a tissue. I was hoping nobody would notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no one's been kicked off the internet yet. So <laughs> something had to happen. <laughs> Oh, knock on wood. Knock on Beskar. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah, Andy. You know, actually, I thought with the, um, I thought with the the blue light you've got going on there, I thought you were throwing a little, uh, you know, Thrawn reference in, you know, oh. beforehand. But uh, <laughs> what color are not, your eyes? Yeah. No, my eyes are not glowing, glowing red. <laughs> um, well, so this is my this is my crackpot theory, right? If I I, I kind of feel like. The, the, that whole original Thrawn series is so well-beloved. It was the source of many really beloved characters by a lot of the fans, including Thrawn, including uh, Mara Jade, who in the Legends uh, universe was a Force-sensitive woman who became the wife of, 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 of Luke Skywalker. Uh, she has a great, interesting story, but that's long. Um, um, the other thought that I had is... If Thrawn really shows up in any of these next two episodes, then maybe the 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 random Jedi that shows up could be Mara Jade, and they just go full on and reintroduce a lot of these story ideas from the Heir to the Empire uh, trilogy. Because that's that story, that three three novel arc is beloved, is Dude. absolutely by a lot of Dude, fans. you just. <laughs> that would be amazing i, I, mean, I did read and, all those novels and i always one of the things i always uh hated was that mary jade mary jade didn't didn't appear it didn't show up in any of this stuff right and so it would fit the ethos it would fit of the, the ethos show because, bringing in uh, bringing in exactly, characters that that right? have uh our fan favorites and have the potential to have really juicy arcs and storylines but haven't really had the attention from the mainstream and, yeah. and then it would fit with that ethos Ooh. so could you imagine like getting a couple more seasons of the mandalorian and all of these other spin-off shows that basically play out the events of heir to the empire in a new way like maybe the whole reason why moff gideon wants to become force sensitive and take and you know get transfusions of the the m count blood is so that he can be the the force user who does the battle meditation to control thrones not fleet. not only that um in those novels, uh, you know, I, I did read s several of those. And then in those novels, you know, Luke and Leia, obviously they had twins. 
in those novels. So it's a little bit different. But uh, Luke and Luke had the school, he had the Jedi school, mm-hmm. and they were going around the universe finding other force sensitive, you know, um, kids. And so they were rebuilding the Jedi. They were rebuilding the Jedi Order. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different now with like you know what we've seen with trilogy, but maybe maybe you know Grogu is something like that where it's like there is some sort of you know new Jedi, you know order being built and it's going to be led by ahsoka or something i don't know you know but, i'd actually would like to see that. would be amazing mara jade would be badass. well she, and she would bring back another force user that would not necessarily be a jedi right much like ahsoka so you could save all these characters by not having them sign up with luke skywalker and set up their own new faction of jedi force users on another side of the galaxy that don't get you know, obliterated by the first order. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, I'm expecting that. Uh, you know, I'm expecting that Thrawn will be this kind of cliffhanger character, kind of like the way Moff Gideon was at the end. So we kind of finished everything up, and then we learn a little more about why um, Gideon was doing what he was doing, and you know, Mister Blueface Red Eye shows up and you know scares everybody, and the internet lights up. Just widening the lens. Just widening the lens. <laughs> he, he was also played. He was also voiced by Lars Mikkelsen uh, uh, in Rebels. Ooh. Who you could paint him blue, and he'd be fantastic. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's you know, they did better with. Jinx. They did better with. I Ahsoka's literally just typed that in the Zoom chat. <laughs> Jinx, Sorry, Andy. So- I literally just typed that in Zoom chat. <laughs> <that> Lars Mikkelsen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even finish it. I was like, I hit enter right away. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was just looking it up and I was like, yeah, I was, I was thinking in my head, like if, who, who would they play? Cause obviously they mentioned him. He's going to show up somehow. Right. It's, it's so, a Chekhov's gun, man. Right. Exactly. exactly. So, I have a quick question. But Lars Milkinson would be amazing. So if you've got a, I mean, we're, they're already filming uh season three and, um, I think, uh, or are they, I don't know. They're somewhere in. They're, they're scheduled. Um, oh, they're scheduled. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the Cassian Andor series is already started to schedule in 2021 February, I think. That's right. So, uh, does that connect heavily, or is that something completely different? I mean, Cassian I, think, Andor. I think Cassian Andor is still supposed to be like a prequel to Rogue One. So that's still like a completely different era, right? If anything, right. that could tie into the Obi-Wan series. Hmm. So the reason I'm thinking about that is because, uh, you know, Disney Plus has found the way uh, for Disney to get out of all of its problems. Um, they've been big on video on demand and streaming. And for those of you who don't know, they really shifted a lot of their corporate push into the streaming and into the uh, digital era. Um, so... While Thanks, old buddy duddy companies like AMC are mad, Disney is pushing on with the streaming thing because this is the way. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be doing a relay race with uh, Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know ahead, I've already, I know I've already kind of said most of my crackpot theories throughout with you know everybody coming together and I, but I, I, I think that. Um, and the, the Beskar spear going against the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. There's people who are agreeing with me in the chat that Moff 
there's a good chance that Muff's going to die at the end of the season. Like that'll be the big thing. I think that the silver ball is going to be kind of, um, Grogu. He's going to magneto it. <laughs> he, no, he's going to, he, no, I think he, well, sort of, I, but the yeah. vision that I have in my head is like Yondu with his arrow. Right. You know, like that yeah. little ball is just going to be like, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. He's going to he's going to tr- turn it into his own. Well, because he has a precedent for it because he's seen Mando use the the, the birds. Mm-hmm. He's seen oh, yeah. Mando use right. the birds on his arm. Oh, and it's right. 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 whistling, whistling birds. Let me yes. let me add my speculation if, here too. Wait, Mando, if, it was, if it's the so, only other thing that survived, ba- it's Baby the Yoda, only thing that survived. Then yes. it's made a Beskar. Yes, yes. Baby Yoda is on one end. Ooh. I mean, Grogu is on one end. Moff Gideon's in right here in the middle. Baby Grogu. Mand- Mando is is over here. He tells, "Hey, shoot, you know, uh, you know, let's cat, let's play catch, or <laughs> or vice versa, or vice versa." You know, Mando has the ball and he says, "Catch!" Right through his eye, and then right through his eye. Exactly. <laughs> right there. Yeah. there you go. You know there what? Actually, I, I kind of I feel like Moff Gideon's gonna survive uh, to next season, but giving him like a mortal injury, like losing an eye and an eye patch, I could totally see. They well, fucked up by saying it. you'll lose an eye, you'll poke your eye out. Which one of John Favreau's best friends is Peter Billingsley, who was the kid in A Christmas Story? Wow! Shoot your eye out. Or, or he could lose a hand. I mean, this is like the second. Is it, it'll traditional? be. To, to lose a hand for someone yeah. to lose a hand it's it's traditional to have some form of dismemberment for a star wars villain <laughs> at this point i think he's due for some kind of dismembering and besides <laughs> like it's giancarlo esposito like did we all see uh breaking bad and face off uh that episode yeah. where they literally below okay yeah giancarlo esposito's character dies literally like has half of his face blown off i i expect um, him to throw <laughs> yeah exactly so, yeah. i expect him to so throw him in a- I expect him to throw Gideon in a um, in one of those Snoke uh, rehabilitation tanks of blue water, and uh, maybe he'll grow part of his face back, or they'll do something. I don't know. Maybe he'll That's... look like a Borg next season. There we go. He'll start um, to be on his way to General Grievous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this kind of thing. arms. Um, real, real quickly, uh, I want to thank definitely thank everybody in the the chat who's been following along. Uh, we love your comments, what you're saying. Um, definitely want to give a special shout out to Ring Capacity and Aaron Nabus um, for for their donations. Uh, it's very much appreciated, and we'll keep making good content. Thank and you also, for your comments. And Ange did she? I think she subscribed for nine months, and the little icon in the thing was three rolls of toilet paper wrapped up in a bow. Yeah, I don't know if that's a COVID thing or what, but I was like, (laughs) when I went to thank her, it showed up as three rolls of toilet paper with a bow. I was like, thanks, toilet paper. Here's toilet paper. That's an emoji. I it did it automatically. I don't know, but thank you, Ange. (laughs) All right. Um, and speaking of uh, the community, we've got some uh. We've got our squad report section here. So if you ever have any um, questions that you want us to like research or really think about, or you just want to hear um, me, Andy, Lexi, and Tracy argue over something in the Star Wars universe, <laughs> you can send them to us through social media, and Facebook, fight. YouTube, or whatever. Yes, Andy and I have fought before. We're well, well practiced. <laughs> I just fight to get a word in. That's what I fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. The great... Uh, 
the great wars of uh what year was that andy never mind <laughs> i don't want to get <laughs> the great fan base wars is what i call it yes. but the great fan uh, spot reports so we got a question from christopher john Limbunny uh from the pan geekery facebook page uh Man, what I want to know is why was Ahsoka like, I only knew one other being like him, referring to Yoda, when we know for a fact that Master Yaddle was in the council too. Granted, she may have had been a short-term council seat, but she still should be somewhere. I don't know how much Ahsoka actually had to do with her, though. Like, all of her dealings that we see with... Like, she, when she was saying no, she might have meant, like, personally... So that's the only so, thing. That's the only thing I can think of is that it's like a semantics thing where she's like, where she's talking about, yeah, like it's the only other one I knew. <laughs> so, so yeah, for people who don't know who Yaddle I... is, uh, for those who don't know who Yaddle is, Yaddle is another of actually the only other of Yoda's species who we saw and made an appearance just sitting on a chair of the Jedi Council in F- the Phantom Menace. Yeah. My 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 crackpot theory is that she's his mom because now we know that Goku came from the Jedi Temple and the timing is not completely wrong and Yoda's love child with <laughs> his fellow council member his fellow council council member. Uh, uh, there's a, there's a lot of other theories that would make me happy, but like I like, actually happy, but <laughs> but that's, I, that's, I, that's 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 the, that's the crackpot theory. <laughs> I also really want Yaddle to be his mom, but um, but so according to some canon sources, uh, Yaddle was one of the Jedi who left the Jedi Council somewhat in protest after Qui Gon Jinn died. Um, so in theory, uh, she would have left, she would have left the the the, the Council shortly after the events of Episode One and was replaced by uh, Jedi Master Shakti. Um, now, Ahsoka was actually selected and uh, to join the order by Master Plo Kloon uh, when she was three years old. Uh, she would have been a youngling um, in about maybe like four years old um, when Yaddle withdrew. So uh, it's it's unlikely <laughs> that uh, she would have interacted. With um with Yaddle because she would have been like a youngling and only three or four years old, and you know there's a lot of Jedi in the temple, so. But not that are like two feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she would have been right at her eye level. <laughs> wonder if uh wonder if the, it was a bad breakup and uh, maybe Yoda had her removed from the council archives. I don't know. That could be a. Or, or maybe she left because they wanted. Maybe she. Maybe she left because she was pregnant. <gasps> <gasps> they, just, they sent her to the nunnery. Did you see the? There, there is a comic. Uh, I did see a comic uh, where it's like Yoda. It's actually Yoda, and then like Mando's like in the. He's they're flying in the spaceship together. And Yoda's like, hey, I'm not paying child support. I'm, I'm out of here. support, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so, I am not. Yeah, <laughs> All right. So, yeah, uh, we are ready and set for whatever is coming up next in the Star Wars universe and uh, next week. I don't know if any, any of you guys have any more speculation or anything you want to say before we get, uh, get out of here. Oh, there's so many things, but too many things. <laughs> yeah. If we because if there are so we're many already things. 20 minutes over, I'd add more, but 
<laughs> yes. All right. For any of these things, you can find us on the interwebs. Uh, make sure you jump out and subscribe our, to our YouTube channel uh, where we'll be posting this video. We also are on Twitch and obviously. Um, so you'll be able to find us here every week. And, uh, you know, you write down notes and it's like YouTube, Twitch. So I said Twitch, but you're obviously here on Twitch <laughs> unless you're listening to this later on YouTube. Anyway, um, we can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And also we uh, definitely have uh, our podcast streams up. So if you are the kind of guy who uh, searches for us on, um, what do or we have? Girl. Stitcher, iTunes. Um, very true. Or droid or girl or, or, or like, you know, anything else. There's, there's a lot of options out there. If you are a sentient being who is online, uh, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Google Podcast, um, Pocket Cast. Uh, there are a couple other Spotify, the major ones. We're already out there. So make sure that you catch up with us on those channels. And if we do not have your particular uh, podcast feed, let us know and we will get that to you. So that's our time. We really hope you enjoyed this show. Keep at us with the questions and um Let's uh, make sure we can find everybody where we uh, where we are online as individuals. Andy, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Chinese Pirate underscore on all platforms and uh, the Chinese Pirate on Facebook and on uh, the Chinese Pirate Productions on YouTube. That's it. <laughs> huh? Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, I, I as if you don't know, I'm uh, also the uh, the director of production and casting for East West Players, which is the longest running theater of color in the nation, and the uh, largest professional producer of Asian American theater in the nation. And uh, uh, well, so I hate being public about it, but uh, so I'm going to be 45 in a couple of days. <laughs> And uh, you don't I look had... a day over 44. Thank you. Uh, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I have created a, a fundraiser with my uh, a co-worker on Facebook uh, that you can find. We'll go ahead and post it uh, on the on the Facebook site. But uh, I'm trying to raise money for East West players. As you did not know or uh, perhaps you do know that um, any companies that that usually produce live events or live theater or live concerts are having a rough time right now. Uh, most of us are not going to be reopening to the public, uh, having live events probably until next, uh, the end, I mean, this time next year, honestly. And, uh, you know, though we are pivoting to digital events and other different kinds of things, uh, every little bit helps. Um, so uh, if you can, even like $5 donations helps. And please look into uh, a lot of the, the other organizations that you love if you want them to stick around. Um, um, even some of your favorite venues. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there are theaters and, and music venues that, that I, I want to be able to go back to um, um, when we are able to. Um, Aren't you auctioning off ornaments with um, some really amazing actors, right? We uh, that that actually is already passed. So oh. uh, we also had a tree that was decorated by our by our scenic shop, by our prop shop. Actually, um, um, it was all handmade origami uh, ornaments um, um, by Glenn Michael, Michael Baker, who is our our prop master for East West Players, and uh, it also included a number of celebrity photos with autographs from Azir Fazal, who uh, does uh, she's uh, the voice actor for on uh, D. 
DC's Young Justice. Um, also, we had Kelly Marie Tran, of course, from uh, from Star Wars, the last two Star Wars films, as well as the upcoming Raya the Last Dragon. Uh, Dee Dee Magno Hall, who was on Steven Universe, um, getting Watanabe. Lisa Briones. Lisa Briones from Star Trek, uh, uh, Star Trek Picard. Um, her father, um, um, John John Briones, who is on the show Ratched right now, if you love that show. Um, so that actually was a, a tree auction at the South Coast Plaza. Wait, that's her dad? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he also was the engineer on the West End in, in, uh, for, uh, for Miss Saigon. Sorry, just like <laughs> blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. She's half, yeah. Uh, she's half, oh so she's half Filipino, half white. Yeah, I didn't so know that. Is, uh, her mom is also a theater singer. Yeah, she, wait, he's in a bunch of Ryan Murphy stuff. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. first joined the ensemble. He was uh, yeah. the assassination of Versace. Was his first? Yes. Thing. Yeah. <gasps> he played. Uh, oh my God. And, and she played was in the it as dad. Well. He played the dad, uh, Kun, uh, Kunanen's dad, or Kun, yeah. the elder Kunanen. So. Yeah, yeah, he's and, and he's course, amazing. He's amazing, and of course, Issa also uh, won an ovation, a, a local theater award, the Ovation Award, when she was uh, uh, Natalie in our production of Next to Normal, which is a, a fantastic musical. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, so that was a tree auction at South Coast Plaza, which just ended this uh, this uh, uh, last night, actually. Oh, <laughs> well, I hope you guys made lots awesome. of money off of that. Thank you. Congratulations. All right. Sorry. I, I chopped out there a little earlier and, uh, but I think I got, I think I'm, I think I'm back here for the outro. All right. So Tracy, let us know where they can find you. All right. Um, you can find me on Facebook at hot nerd girl and Instagram at hot nerd girl official and Twitter at hot underscore nerd underscore girl. And I really want to encourage everybody to, um, to, if you're going to buy holiday gifts to buy from like artists and makers mm -hmm. and like, you know, like jewelry makers and, mm -hmm. um, you know, pe people who are, who, who are just really crafty and doing what they can to survive as opposed to getting all your gifts on Amazon or Walmart or something like that. And, uh, I posted some good links and if you have any others, let me know, but that's kind of my goal for, for this holiday season is even if you only have two gifts, to buy because um, I know times are, are really tough. You can benefit other people as well as the gift recipient. So that's my big like push for this holiday season. So. Excellent. And we'll definitely be sure to do that. Uh, help out your small businesses and friends and family um, before Amazon. And we can talk about them later. Um, <laughs> last, uh, Lexi, let us know where they can find you. Uh Instagram at Kaleidoscope Preacher. That's my creative archive. And my website is the same, kaleidoscopepreacher.com. That has uh, more current projects and uh, booking information, although most of that's live events, which, again, we were just talking not happening yeah. right now. Um, but, you know, still available for shoots and things. And really, you guys should absolutely go check out East West players and give them some love. I had the privilege of, of working with them for a couple months on one of their productions. And it's just one of the best companies that I've ever been fortunate enough to work with. Just Andy. great people. Oh. Right. Andy. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I wasn't sure if uh, you're passing. We're good. We're good. We're good. Oh, uh, no, that, was just, um... that was just me, me kind of, uh, 
I'm 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 personally biased. I really I really appreciate East West players a lot, and and I I want them to very much to make it through uh, this whole shift in the industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, one other thing I, I wanted to mention. Uh, so we are based in Little Tokyo, Los Angeles, and the Little, Little Tokyo Community Council is doing a great program because uh, it covers a lot of different bases. It supports a lot of the struggling businesses in Little Tokyo, many of them that are, you know, legacy businesses that have been there 50, 100 years um, by taking in donations and uh having them uh, create meals and meal packages. Uh, and those meals are then bought and then distributed to people in need who are uh, seeing hard times during COVID-19. So uh, this is a community feeding program. Uh, if you look up the Little Tokyo Community Council website, uh, if you are, if you have lost a job or if you have had any difficulties um um you know and uh just need a little bit of assistance no questions asked uh just uh, uh please look that up it is also open to creative workers as well um, um that's a a, re the, a recent change uh the, in a partnership with east West players uh uh visual communications um and uh uh shoot one other organization that's uh, was partnering in on that so um this is available to actors uh technicians um you know writers musicians um session performers etc cetera, etc cetera, uh creative artists um 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 if you fit any of those realms and Want a hot uh, uh, Japanese meal? Uh, uh, please check that out. Awesome. Well, I am. Uh, we'll definitely be sure to check that out, Andy. And uh, definitely, I'll follow up on that. The East West Players Group is a fantastic. I was about to say fantabulous. I've never <laughs> said that before. The fantabulous organization. Uh, definitely check those guys out. Um, I've had a chance to run into them a couple times, and uh, nothing but good to say about them. And you can find me, uh, Mr. Benja, at, at uh, mrbenja.com. Um, I'll put all my links up there, and you can peruse through my blog post and some of my rants and things. But that pretty much does it for us today. So I am really glad that you were all able to join us in this continuing episode season thing that we're doing called the Pod Squadron. It's really been fun. I'm really having a joy talking with all of you guys, not just the host here, but also the community. And it's really fun. I want to keep it going. So be sure you connect with us uh, any way you can. And remember, the truths that we cling to depend on our own point of view and only the Sith deal in absolutes. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good one.